Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast. I'm senior reporter for the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. Artificial intelligence has come to mean so many things to so many different people. Some picture Android, uh, others to think of the algorithms already powering Google and even smaller tech initiatives. But we're going to take a stock of where the progress has reached so far, what it's enabling in the world of marketing, and what on the horizon has the power to change the marketer's toolkit even more radically. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by three experts in this area. So to begin with, Pascal, could you tell us who you are and what you do, please. Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm Pascal. I'm the managing partner of Artifact in the UK. Artifact is a, a data consulting firm advising clients around the world around, you know, using data and AI to drive their business. Perfect. And Patrick? Hi, yeah, I'm Patrick Furs. I'm digital director at Braleno. Braleno is an integrated marketing communications agency. We work across global clients in B2B and B2C. And we kind of started our journey on AI around about five years ago with a, a brief from our CEO to look at how we might use it to change our entire agency model. Very nice. So very all-encompassing. And Maria. Hi, I'm Maria. I'm the head of audience intelligence. Um, at iCrossing, which is a global digital marketing agency. Um, and our, our kind of a step into AI really has been all around hyper-personalization and how using consumer data to feed personalization across omni-channel campaigns um, is really driving performance across our, our channels, but also for our clients. Very nice. Well, we do have a breadth of expertise then on the panel today. So, Maria, I'm going to stick with you. You mentioned personalization there. Um, mm. When we're talking about personalization and AI, what are we actually talking about there, just from a kind of a very top level look? I think in terms in terms of um, hyper personalization, AI has the ability to collect data and determine the content that is the most applicable based on important facets of consumers' past behavior. Um, so their historical data, their location, um, et cetera, and allows companies and, and marketers to offer a unique experience to each customer and create a value service. Um, and I think that's really where, where we're heading. We've seen personalization, but really moving into that hyper-personalization where AI allows us to deal with big data and make those decisions without human interaction on a very high speed um, in the moment and in real time. Yeah, absolutely. It's using that AI to really supercharge all the kind of marketing activities we've been doing around personalization already. Exactly that. As much to uh, consumers' dismay, they do enjoy <laughs> personalization and it, it, it does work. Your your experience across digital is, is always better for it. Um, and yeah, I think AI just allows so much more data points to, to feed into that mm. um, and, and process that. Very nice. And, and Patrick, when we're talking then about AI and marketing, what were some of the other applications that you feel are um, integral to everything that we're doing in kind of the, the marketing sphere these days? Yeah, I think there was a couple of things, it, kind of going back to what I, what I set up uh, at the start. One of the things that we looked at when we were thinking about you know, how might this technology sort of change our agency model was, uh, and this was all-encompassing and, and incredibly ambitious, um, and I'll tell a little story about kind of how we were maybe brought down to earth a little bit, um, but essentially we kind of thought, could we take some of this technology and take some of the kind of fast food model? Mm. So, you know, taking... Um, self-service, selling a very kind of structured product. And is there a way that we could use AI to kind of automate uh, some of that kind of briefing process so clients can brief 
you know, using AI, using text, um, which obviously now we're seeing a lot with the, the kind of text to creative models is now becoming much more mainstream. And then also, can we use AI to kind of alternate and streamline not actually our output? If you think about some of the our products, um, you know, there are things like, um, you know, banners that are very kind of structured and they follow kind of simple sets of rules uh, that you could usefully apply AI to. And again, we're seeing some of this stuff becoming very mainstream. We had a slight kind of, um, we called the project Whopper for obvious but reasons. Yeah, makes sense. Perfect. Yeah, other burgers are available. Um, <laughs> we, we Thank you. I would with, have to say that otherwise. Yeah. University of Exeter, and we worked with the, one of the professors down there, and he told us a, a little story about one of his PhD students who had spent a year uh, trying to train uh, machine learning to tell knock-knock jokes. Um, and it, what it turned out was you can train machine learning to create 100 million knock-knock jokes, but actually trying to get one to, to generate or create a funny knock-knock yeah. joke actually really hard so we kind of thought okay his advice to us was focus on some very specific kind of problems that ai can solve so some of those things that we then built we're starting using ai to build predictive models um you know which you know previously to this would have been quite hard to access quite expensive to access but we've able to build our own predictive model around things like the likelihood of cough and cold outbreaks which they mm. feed into you know, how we might turn up or turn down regional advertising based on the likelihood of people suffering uh, from that. We've looked at things like computer vision. And I think probably not surprisingly for, uh, you know, an inter uh, integrated communications agency, we have been doing a lot of work in that space of, of um, generative art using AI to actually kind of create output. So we've just done a campaign with Molson Coors and we've trained an AI to be a street artist. Oh, nice. Uh, and we kind of put it up against um, some real street artists from, from Bulgaria. It's a fascinating kind of journey, how you actually watch an AI dreaming about street art. <laughs> uh, really kind of fascinating. And we'll change kind of the way agencies work. 100%. And we can definitely get into that kind of creative aspect of it in a little bit. But Pascal, where does Artifact uh, interact with AI? Where do you sort of align in terms of using AI for, whether that be automation, personalization, where are you really seeing it make the most sense to use it? Yeah, well, what we've seen is we've seen, uh, you know, traditional space of using AI, which is the one that we've mentioned around personalization. And, and I think that that one is kind of like becoming a bit of a mainstream use of AI across, uh, across companies. But there are also new areas where, you know, we are seeing some new challenges now, um, which is at the border of, let's say, marketing and sales. And um, especially, you know, when you think about, you know, marketing, there is obviously the old point about media and personalization and, and so on. But there is also a lot of now AI is used to make budget decisions. Mm -hmm. And before AI was, let's say, for people to operate on the business with, as you said, automation, personalization, but I would say more for the people that are operationally involved uh, you know, in the business. But now AI is becoming a C-level topic as well, 
as you want to take budget decisions. And your decisions before were just based on, uh, like, let's say, you know, political risk or moving too fast or not fast enough, or based on, you know, like the trend or what you've seen from your competitors and benchmarks. And now much more, you are creating your own formula for, for success, you know, where you want to put your money, where your money is going to make a difference. But you can also do that at quite a detailed level. And when you look at that question of, you know, where do I put my money if I am a C-level in organization, I need AI for that. You can do that, you know, I mean, for your marketing budget, you can do that for your pricing, you can do that for your promotion budget, you can do that as well for your assortments, plannings, and where do you want my products to be, my product not to be. I'm thinking about a retailer, for example, that is, you know, looking at, you know, hundreds of, you know, retail points in, in, in Europe and looking at, okay, what are the shops that look alike, right? Which is something that, something that we used to do in the media space of finding my lookalike customers and now you're doing that for shops. And you try to understand if I close one, if I don't close one, what is my best assortment? So now what we see, and probably one of the, the, the biggest development of AI is that it is becoming a CEO mm. level agenda point. While before it was a bit something for IT, something for the geeks or something for, you know, the people that needed to save time because they have like plenty of things to do operationally day to day. I'm, I'm going to try and not to take offense at the for geeks comment, but you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Maria, you were nodding along there when we were talking about when Pascal was talking about budget there. Is that something that you've seen really become a bigger part of the conversation? Yeah, massively. I think it's it's to the point about the the touch points that and coming from digital marketing agency, the digital touch points. Um, and actually understanding that there is a rising um rising consumer acquisition costs and we have to make a case for every touch point to have a purpose within that kind of life cycle or that journey and i think what ai helps us do is is predict those those future behaviors or actions of customers if they've done this they might likely to do this so let's then activate this channel this ad what's the next step in that journey and i think ai has really helped us again to to use your word supercharge those those omnichannel journeys mm. and ensure that they're all integrated and, and that messaging and that that yeah that that digital journey is consistent but that we're also showing the value across each and that they will have their own benefit to move consumers along um without losing people going <laughs> why, why are you on this channel it, yeah. it doesn't have a a last click attribution but actually it, we can show you that path to purchase see that 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 whole thing is fascinating we, we could have done an entire sort of half an hour just on that alone but we're going to move things along slightly here patrick you were talking about kind of ai and art before and one of the things that i know my team wants to ask about is with the rise of things like tools like stable diffusion and a couple of the kind of the, the other ai art tools to what extent do you think that creativity is now going to be again supercharged with the kind of the use of ai and to what what can we do with ai and art in a way that you know that we couldn't necessarily do before yeah i think i think there's a couple of things there one is uh, I, I guess what we're seeing is the, the the kind of quality of those models so if you are a geek like me uh you know who was looking at this stuff probably two three four years ago things like dali the actual quality of the output has kind of become supercharged and i think the one thing that has probably surprised a lot of people in our business is the rate of kind of acceleration of that you know, increase in in kind of quality, mm. the increase, in the change in the way that you interact with these tools, obviously the community that's now built up around these tools. So things like Stable Diffusion and Midjourney, uh, you know, there's uh, something called Prompt Base, which is essentially a, a marketplace 
the text prompt. So if you want to be able to deliver kind of really quality results from some of the text to image or text to video, or at least increasingly we're seeing even text to UX, text to music, text to code. Yeah. So we've got AI that writes, you know, writes its own code based on kind of text prompts. The thing that I think really struck me was when I looked at something like prompt base and to see that there's already a market place built up around um you know what are the best prompts to use to get the best results for very kind of specific types of kind of creative or design assets and they're really sophisticated and they're great pieces of work i think where we see it kind of fitting into our kind of workflow is they're brilliant kind of starting points and they get you you know quickly quite a way down the line um in order to then you know we can then kind of work into those and you know we don't see right now being a completely kind of you know untouched by human hand mm. that will will certainly come but for us it's kind of getting us down the track kind of faster and probably coming up with things that we wouldn't have thought of and i think you know that's that's key in that you know use ai to do something you can't do mm. and i think a lot where a lot of people make mistakes is you know they're trying to apply ai to something that actually could be solved by just good old kind of software so that's kind of, I, I, I guess, something we're seeing. I think the other thing is, um, you know, Dali's now kind of opened up its APIs. Um, no doubt, you know, Creative Suite, Adobe will be mm. building those APIs directly into the tools. So things like Creative Suite and Figma will have a kind of pull straight in from those text to image or text to video. There's this massive trend on TikTok where people are asking AI to like picture their deaths. Oh my God, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's huge. Or like picture who I'm going to marry or picture where am I going to heaven or hell? And then an AI will paint that picture. And they're very bizarre. And it is, it's become a whole trend on TikTok. I don't know how they yeah. can access this. Sorry. Yeah, there, there is also that, uh, I can't remember, remember the name of the platform, but you can essentially create an avatar of a loved one for the moment when when said loved one passes mm. um based on some photos and very little uh kind of audio of them talking yeah so you can essentially create an avatar which you can then ask questions of uh after the the sad event which you know mm. opens up all kinds of yeah. interesting kind of conversations and discussions it's got very morbid very quickly it really did. Yeah, sorry, because I was I, on um, about kind of AI being misused. Deep fakes obviously sprung to mind and, and apologies if that's, that's not quite in accordance. But the deep fakes then made me think about all of these image editing programs that, that young people are using. And I think, I mean, I, I'm, we, I think we can all tell I'm quite a, an avid TikTok user. Um, there is an incredible amount of, of brands marketing their products to, to young women in particular, unfortunately, and building unrealistic mm. images of, of women's bodies to sell their products. They're these control pants that are actively edited by image altering software and I'm, I'm, it might be AI might be more of a augmented reality situation um that that I think is is incredibly dangerous and there's certainly an ethical aspect to it come Pascal the no the, the the interesting learning of of that kind of let's say front lining of of the TikToks of this world on 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 AI for content and, and art and, and creativity is that you know we see um, an imperative more and more for brands to adapt to this fast content industry. Mm. 
and to be able to use AI to produce even more content, even faster, and even more reactive to whatever happens at the moment to more formats, right? And, and one element of that is, which I found is super interesting, is we've been talking with these, um, you know, global brand that is sponsoring sport events. And, and, and they are two, because they were the main sponsor of those, you know, like, the equivalent of the World Cup, it's uh, you know they had to react to goals that were marked and so on. And and when you're a brand, your your pipeline of creating creatives is like so long and has to go through a full, like certain let's say validation points that are absolutely mandatory as a brand because you need to control your image, right? And 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 how then do you use AI to be able to react to those in a compliant way? And so uh, you know there is and, and they've been and they've been super successful at picking a buzz out there, transforming it automatically for AI into creatives that would then be embedded, you know, in the next day already in the digital marketing campaigns. And so what we see is super interesting is how, I mean, obviously these TikTok and, and other platforms pushes AI through, but then as well, it becomes a bit of a ask from the consumer as a whole and brands start adopting it as a BAU thing that, okay, I need to now be able to be as good as those guys that are creating content mm-hmm. because if I'm coming back with that same creative that took me, you know, like two months to create that has been super polished, etc. <laughs> then as a brand, you know, I'm destroying the image that I have as well, right? Yeah. So you have this uh, challenge as a brand to not be too slow, not be too fast, because otherwise you get into this pitfall of AI of doing nonsense. And and and, and that's, uh, I think, you know, it's, in, it's, it's interesting as a learning to see, you know, how brands have to adapt as, as a result. Yeah, I think that's definitely reflected in obviously everything that we're seeing in the metaverse. You've got these digital natives building universes in Roblox. And then brands are trying to go in and replicate. And actually, it's not as authentic as the people that are the geeks <laughs> that love it, yeah. that do it out of passion. Um, brands are now coming in and, and trying to build those potentially unauthentically, to, to your point, and having to go through so many processes that can kind of reduce creativity. Yeah, don't, I mean, don't, don't get me started on the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what Pascal, you know, we're talking about hyper personalization, and I think you know that's certainly something that we see. And, and I guess you know this is a bit like a GAN. So you've got hyper personalization on one side, so that ability to do incredibly kind of granular segmentation based on all kinds of inputs, you know, all the ones we use now, but probably a load more uh, kind of inputs and data around behavioral to create those almost ephemeral kind of segments that when you're in that kind of depending where you are in the customer journey you know that that then creates this colossal demand because you've got hyper personalization right you need a machine that creates you know not just kind of still content but video content dynamic pricing um all that stuff so i think for me it feels like you know that's a really interesting almost kind of arms race or gan kind of mm-hmm. you know adversarial network thing where it will just kind of you know each one will feed off each each other and you know brands will need these machines to be able to essentially yeah. kind of fill every single canvas that mm. that hyper personalization or that sort of canvas opportunity that that hyper personalization provides you know and I mean, that stuff will need mm-hmm. to become i think as we said uh, just now you know that will need to become interactive immersive so it won't just be you know, a, a kind of social post, or it, it will need to be really quite sophisticated. Mm. And I think that the certainly I see the tools developing, you know, quickly enough in those directions that 
you've got your engine kind of creating the demand over here in hyper personalization. And then you've got another engine over here mm. that's creating amazing kind of immersive, interactive kind of content and experiences that are is created literally on the fly for a tiny kind of yeah. ephemeral kind of um, segment that's based on something yeah. we can't even we could never even imagine, but an AI can because it can find those kind of patterns in in the noise. In in the interest of that, I've just set up a, a massive campaign for FIFA World Cup for a nation that has um, only been in first time back in the World Cup for 64 years. I don't know if you can guess what nation that is. <laughs> um, and, and that we try to personalise each of the, of the ads um, to different audience identities, which we'd established through, through our research. And that was just personalising to an identity, to an interest. And that was over 5,000 individual ads mm. I set up last week with my team. And that was as as automated as it could get. If you get AI involved in that, that could be trillions of different variations. And that's when it gets exciting. I was going to say, so you've, you've both mentioned, Pascal and, and Maria, you there, you've mentioned examples of kind of it being used in a practical sense. Can we think of any brands that are using AI really, really well already that we've sort of seen examples of? You know, the, the brands and CPG industry, for me, seems to kind of like lead the way because they are using, really using AI for the two things that, you know, Patrick mentioned, which is one is hyper-personalization, fine. The other one is this immersive content and super reactive and, and super kind of like relevant context to the minute and not just to, you know, whatever happened in a month. So I think you really like the CPGs have been have been a bit leading that also because they are super close to consumers and they have this problem of how do we address it while the younger generation because they need to build a brand for the future and not just for whoever is buying it now. So I would say, you know, like CPG in general, and then you've got those big brands out there, right, that, that we can think of that, you know, like, I mean, for Mecca, for I don't want to name any, but, you know, like the Mecca brands, they are, yeah. you know, quite ahead, the gaming ones and the the the, the, the you know, everyone that is related to sport as well, as, as Murray just mentioned. I mean, all of those, you know, they, they have they, they have had to do it, you know, as, as kind of like most have. I, I actually interviewed um, Adobe and Bayern Munich not too long ago, and they're using sort of AI to really personalize content packages for everybody who appears at the stadium, or, you know, all the fans watching at home. And they were talking about exactly everything that you've been talking about, kind of that ease of creation and scale, but also making it so much more relevant to people. What does that emergence of AI as a discipline actually do to agencies and sort of the brands that want to use AI properly? Patrick, I think you probably have a view on this. Is it going to require the creation of almost a new uh, sector, a new vertical within agencies, within brands, or is this the develop, or is it the remit of kind of a pre-existing one? Uh, I, yeah, this is this is kind of fascinating. It's something we're kind of living through as we speak. Um, I said that that kind of movement from from you know AI being the the kind of remit of the geeks, uh, probably in the digital team, um, as, as now come you know right across the agency. Um, I think you know there are there probably are some different roles. Our sense is that there's still there. It's certainly in our experience. So when we created the the street art, you know, machine learning to generate street art, there was still quite a curatorial kind of requirement needed, mm. almost like art direction to to kind of nudge and you know, there is this, probably most people have heard this, the prompt engineer, which is a new kind of job title. Um, so these are the people that write the prompts that come up with the best results. But I don't see a future in prompt engineering because I think we'll just apply AI to that. Mm. And there'll be actually better ways of, of kind of briefing, you know, AI or machine learning to kind of come up with creative won't be through 
text prompts uh, probably for much longer, I wouldn't have thought. So uh, our sense is that there will remain, uh, you need probably some, I'm not, not surprising an agency would say this, right? Uh, there will remain a kind of creative direction required, uh, but probably some of the more, um, I suppose, functional process, you know, part of the workflow will, will no longer be required or mm. will be doing different things. Well, I mean, a lot of the fact, kind of like we, we tend to build AI products or data products for our clients. So what we've seen is, you know, it's very hard as a, as a partner to just, you know, package AI as a product and just, just sell the AI itself. Otherwise, mm-hmm. because like if you do so, you need to stay at a certain level of reuse and genera- generalities as well in terms of what it does. And what we found is it's almost like a unique formula for each client. And so we've, tend, you know, we, we've chosen the the... the the, the let's say the path and the, the way of you know creating we have some Lego bricks but at the end of the day we do see assembly for for the client and a big part of the of the job is the assembly to the mm. specific context and use case the, the big trouble is adoption often you know more than technical solution and, and the adoption is really down to who is going to operate that who you know who, for what decision for what operating model for what process and so yeah we, we are building those in-house uh data products and for that you need People that come from various backgrounds, you need to do it also hand in hand, obviously. But you know, the main backgrounds, I mean, we've been some there have been some big hypes around data scientists. What we see right now is actually the problem comes from more the data than the algorithms. Like a lot of the algorithms exist. And so I would say, you know, today the big bet that we're making is to make sure that we can we can have, you know, like this, um, I would say this. This, 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 big, this big capacity to, to build and scale with mm. more data engineers than data scientists at the end. We sh- I mean, really, we should have set aside about eight hours to talk about AI and uh, marketing, but we only have the half an hour. So I wondered if we could maybe all go around and say what we're sort of most excited about AI in terms of marketing and what's coming down the pipe. Um, I think um, artificial intelligence and facilitating further the growth of augmented reality and mm. virtual reality. Um, I think being able to um, really provide shoppers with the opportunity to to customize the way that they interact with products um, could is is really cool. And actually, how do we um, how how can we use any predictive mod? I don't know predictive um, marketing analysis or analytics to 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 give them the next thing to buy. Um, the next thing to experience, the next thing to try on or to or to shop, not kind of pushing consumerism here massively, <laughs> um, but, but actually potentially find alternatives, find sustainable alternatives to things that they're actively searching and, and elevate those um, in in their kind of awareness bubbles yeah. um, could be really interesting. How do we potentially turn consumerism on its head and, and go for give them ebay alternatives that are secondhand but grand again it brings everything full circle as you said at the start that's what customers want that's what they're looking for they don't necessarily mm-hmm. have the they're not necessarily being served it so it sounds like that's just kind of supercharging everything that we've been trying to do as marketers for years and Patrick, what would you say then are you most excited about? We've spoken about uh, AI art. I, I'm excited to see if they can ever get hands right. But you know, for, <laughs> you know, what are you, what are you most excited about? Or, or legs? Or legs? Yeah, the worst is when it's a combination of the two. I think so. For me, I, I really like uh, actually that that the comment around uh, how, how do you insert that into kind of augmented reality and those sorts of experiences. I think would be really exciting. I suppose if I one kind of 
step above that thought is, you know, what I would really want to see, and I hope we see is, you know, AI that creates really unique art. So we're not just using it to create sort of facsimiles of existing kind of art or creative, but actually we're seeing almost a, a completely different art form that, you know, comes from the ability to kind of take all these massive amounts of kind of different inputs, mm. put them into one thing and come up with something completely unique. I mean, that's what I would really love to see. And I hope we don't go down the, the track of it becomes just a only a kind of production assistant type tool. Yeah. genuinely unique art created by um you know machine learning yeah absolutely that's that's uh kind of very high level like that would be fascinating to see develop in real time as well yeah. that'd be amazing um and and pascal then you've sort of got the final word on this what are you most excited to see in terms of ai and marketing in the near future there's a big trend that um i see super interesting which is that cmo more and more take the role of being the head of sustainability mm. in, in, in the brands that we're working with. And, and AI is, uh, you know, a very interesting way to address the topic because then when you look at, you know, how you build a brand for a purpose, you know, we've mentioned all this creativity that, that you can, you know, that, that can be impacted by AI and how you can creatively and then very relevantly talk about sustainability, you know, for whatever happens right now, you know, in the world, but you can also use that, you know, in procurement, for example, when you, when you start, you know, thinking about, you know, the way you are building your packages or the, 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 you know, the way you are, you know, sourcing your products, your ingredients, the way you are, and how can you actually start switching, you know, like the composition of your product itself towards something that is a bit more sustainable. And today it's impossible to do because there are so many data points, so many suppliers, so many equivalents of things that are not supposed to be equivalent. We worked for, for a beer, for example, company where you know they had to produce the same beer from facilities around the world. And if they are turning one ingredient there, the taste of the beer could change. And as a marketer, you know, you cannot start using AI to take the control of the whole product chain, all right, of what your product is made of in order to reach a very top priority marketing, you know, and not only marketing, but, you know, brand objective of being more sustainable. Nice. Well, uh, all three of you there have given me a lot to get excited about. I'm sure that the listeners will be equally excited about that. I wondered then, as a very final question, if they want to get in contact with you and sort of pick your brains on anything you've mentioned, where would be the best place for them to seek you out? Pascal, what's the best place for people to find you? Probably LinkedIn. Uh, so Pascal Kogia, you can look for me on LinkedIn and, and send me an email. I'm always looking at those. So yeah, feel free to do that. Very nice. And Patrick? Yeah, likewise, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Patrick Furs, F-U-R-S-E. I'm on LinkedIn. Very nice. And Maria? Same for me, LinkedIn. Maria Bain, B-A-I-N for November. Soon to be Kane, though. Oh, very nice. Well, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, so thank you so much to my guests, Pascal, Patrick, and Maria. Uh, please do stick around. Go to the drum.com where we're going to be writing about everything to do with AI and marketing over the next couple of weeks, months, and years. And we'll have to get these three guests back in a couple of years to see how right and wrong our predictions were. But for now, thank you so much to my guests and to the listeners. And goodbye. <laughs>